Coffee Carmen Connection is about being human. It's about you choosing to prioritize your well-being, putting the time in to strengthen your resilience to adversity, and being part of a community that holds you accountable and offers support when the going gets tough. Our podcasts bring expert insight and real-life experiences together for you to enjoy and learn what it is that makes us human and how to work with it. Good morning, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us on the Coffee Calm Connection. I'm really excited to hear a little bit about who you are, what your journey has been. And I know the whole sort of mindfulness, meditation, self-development movement is something that, that you've been dipping your toe in over the last couple of years. So do you want to tell us about yourself a little bit? Yeah. So I'm Jennifer. I'm 35. Um, got two children, married, um, been in insurance for 17 years, um, currently working head office for NIG, really enjoy my job. It's uh, very varied and different. Um, yeah, I live in Peterborough. Uh, like you say, I've uh, recently started down the meditation and uh, mindfulness journey. I, um, I've got a toddler who's turning two tomorrow and um, I did hypnobirthing with him when I was pregnant and um, that seemed to really really help um I can be quite an impatient person sometimes and that really helped calm me and just see things from a different perspective and uh, I just realized how powerful the mind can actually be and uh yeah so I'm really interested in in following up my journey and developing a little bit more do you know I think that's really interesting as well because I tried hypnobirthing and got nowhere with it when I was uh, <laughs> pregnant with my three was it the fact that you were pregnant and hypnobirthing is a good thing to do were, were there any was there any other reason that kind of drew you to that sort of way of life if it's the right thing to say just just to try and be a bit more well less stressed was the main reason because um from my first child he's obviously he's a lot older he's 17 but I just remember I was always so so stressed at the time and um I didn't want to be that way with the second one so I thought I need to take it from a different angle and um, I really wanted a natural birth. I wanted a water birth, um, which I didn't manage with my first. Uh, so that was kind of a driver as well, because I thought that should hopefully help with that. And to begin with, the thought of, you know, just breathe. And it's all about the breathing and all these positive affirmations that would come out to begin with. It was a bit like, oh, is that, you know, is this really true? Is that really going to happen? Can I really focus that much? And can it really make that much of a difference? Um, but I found that it actually, it really did. Did you get your I did find that I was, Yeah, I did. Yes. And it was, it was the most amazing, obviously it was painful, but it was the most amazing birth story ever. I think whenever I tell people they're so jealous because um, I went into labor at home um, and I, I like to be by myself. So I was kind of, um, I, I ran the bath. I was in the bathroom by myself, uh, went in the bath for a couple of hours woke I think that was about one o'clock it started and then I woke my husband up at five told him you know we're on this is it and um he went then like a madman running around the house trying to get everything ready um and then my waters broke at 5 30 and we drove to the hospital um I got in the water berth in pool and it was all dark and like mood lighting and things like that so it was so so calming had a bit of gas and air and he was born at um 6 45 and uh I literally think I only had to push a couple of times, but it, it was really amazing. So yeah, it was, um, I couldn't believe it afterwards. I just thought that went exactly to plan. So yeah, I'm so, so lucky. And um, I think the hypnobirthing really did work. Just the, the breathing, I think when you've got your contractions and the breathing, it, it 
it really did make such a difference. That's quite a powerful um, experience early on in your journey that's like consolidated yeah powerful this kind of stuff can be I did um last week I did uh my own made up yoga routine in the morning and I was all the kids were in bed husband was in bed and I thought my back's a bit sore I've got a a stressful day at work today I'm just going to take 10 minutes and I did all the breathing and blah 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 and I felt much better for it and then this morning I was like my back's a bit sore I've got a big day lots of stuff happening I'm going to do a bit of yoga again but I did it whilst yelling. Can you just go and clean your teeth, please? Can somebody get <laughs> the same off? effect? <laughs> no, and just that that the, the mind wasn't in the right place. So I finished the yoga session and was like, oh, that didn't make any difference. <laughs> it's um so one of the things you said was you didn't want to be as stressed with your second as you were with your first. Is this purely around motherhood? Is it around general day-to-day stresses, for example, from work? Is it a combination of the two? Tell me a little bit about what what stress, how stress manifests in you and what you think the reasoning behind it is, was. I think some of it's obviously maybe because I've, I've got older as well, so I'm a, I'm a little bit more chilled anyway. But I think I, I kind of feel like I've lived two different lives so far. So I initially, I was born in Doncaster and lived lived there and then moved here when I met my husband and now live in Peterborough. And, it kind of, and I was younger when I had my first child and, and lived in Doncaster. And it, it kind of feels like, you're in a different because the area is so different and the society is very different and then I, I kind of got away from from that and, and moved here and I did I kind of felt like it was just such a better environment to be in and I think because of that I wasn't going out as much with friends I wasn't drinking as much and um I had more time wanting to just be at home in pajamas and things like that so it kind of I think all that kind of helped I didn't feel like I was missing out on as much than I did when I was younger with my first child so it was more naturally more uh, less stressful I think with the second one but um day-to-day life it's kind of living here I'm I don't have many friends here because I haven't met that many people I've got a couple but compared to when I used to live in Doncaster all my old friends are there but they're they're all living the life that I used to live and you kind of grow out of it so it's it's hard to then go back and kind of like feel like you belong there anymore if you see what I mean and um and then family, they all live in Doncaster as well. So it can can feel a bit lonely living here sometimes. Um, and I think that's what I maybe struggle with the most. Um, and my husband, he's self-employed. He works long hours. Um, so I'm left at home with the children most of the time, which can be quite tricky. So, yeah, I just felt like I probably needed to be more centred, more calm, just to be able to deal with everything on my own. Um, like housework, that's a big one. My, my husband's quite probably the wrong thing to say but he's quite set in the 1940s <laughs> so it's kind of like the woman does the cleaning and the cooking and the man does all the hard work and you know all the um the laboring and the fixing things and get all that sort of stuff so yeah so I'm I do struggle with that sometimes I think actually trying to keep on top of the housework at the same time as raising the children and working myself as well um so yeah that that can all feel a bit much sometimes I know that feeling yeah. Very, very well. How yeah. have you managed um, talking about sort of leaving the old life and the family and the friends and the sort of big network? And then COVID's come along for the last 12, 14 months. How's that affected your sort of mental health? Um, see, I'd, I've lived in Peterborough now for probably eight years um, ish. So 
the COVID thing, it didn't really affect me in, in that kind of sense. I didn't feel the loss in that way because I wasn't really used to seeing that many people anymore anyway. But it was a big change because I used to work from home maybe one day a week or a couple of days maybe, whereas now I work here full time. So then it does get quite lonely sometimes because you don't see anybody. If my husband's at work all day, my mum is classed as being in a vulnerable category. She actually moved to Peter a couple of years ago. So I, I do have her here, but she has a holiday home um, that she goes to quite a lot. So through the summer months and things like that, I don't really get to see her as much. But that's been the hardest bit because she's had to be on her own. She's had to um, self-isolate and she hasn't been able to see my children, which has been quite tricky. So I think that's been been the hardest. And the first lockdown, my husband actually had to stop working and he's not he's not very good if he's not at work. His whole drive is work and he's very, uh, very much the provider and wants to earn the money. And I think if he's not doing that, he, he finds it a real struggle. Um, so that was quite hard to begin with because he was at home when he wasn't used to being at home and we were arguing quite a lot over oh. stupid things. Yeah, and he just, he didn't settle into it very well at all, which made it, a lot worse and I was quite glad when he went back to work. Do you know I've heard a few people have had that very same experience all of a sudden that the home dynamics changed and it's not just changed because more people are in the home every day all day but it's changed because the home is now also the work environment and the home so the separation's not there so I've heard a few people say that that was quite difficult. What is it in you that makes you recognize that you're starting to slump, whether it's because of, you know, loneliness or or stress or whatever it might be? So the things I, like how it manifests in me, I suppose, is um, I do get a lot more impatient. I can feel myself just snapping and being irritable, picking up on things that I probably wouldn't pick up on usually and, you know, making a point out of it where I wasn't usually and just feeling I, I did feel quite a lot of resentment towards my husband at times through, throughout COVID um, so that was one of the one of the ways that it that it um, manifested and I, I'm a bit of a crier sometimes and quite emotional <laughs> so that happens and I do get sometimes I get anxiety it all started I lost my dad six years ago and um, at the time I've got asthma as well um, so it kind of confused the two things but I was getting like a real feeling of pressure on my windpipe and it felt like somebody was literally standing on me and I couldn't breathe properly and um, I went to the doctors and uh, they were like oh it's anxiety and I was like no 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 I don't you know I don't suffer with things like that I'm quite a strong-headed person I don't think that would affect me in that way it must be related to my asthma or something like that um, and I went away not really believing him and um, and then it kind of went away on its own and uh, a, bit, a year later it came back and I actually sat there did some deep breathing and it actually seemed to get better and I thought oh my goodness it actually is anxiety so yeah I would never have thought I would have been the type of person that would suffer from from something like that but um yeah I suppose it, it shows in your body in all in all kind of different ways. Through all the work that we've been doing in the sort of development of CCC and sort of my own self-development over the last five years one thing has struck me so strongly and that is how an anxiety or panic attack manifests physiologically so the actual physical um, response that somebody has to an anxiety attack and I was talking to someone a few years ago and she had uh, and I've heard this from several people she actually ended up calling an ambulance out because genuinely thought she was having a heart attack and when they got to her it was a panic attack and she was mortified but that level of pain in that moment and another thing you've just said that I find really interesting is 
would never have thought you were that type of person. And I'm sure you're probably the same. The, the more I'm learning, the more I'm realizing everybody's that type of person. It's just yeah. whether or not you are picking up on the emotional signals your body's trying to tell you that suggests, you know, this is where I'm at now and it's yeah. bad times. It's so interesting when you start to delve into the physiological impact and what's actually happening in your brain, like what what neural pathways are firing and and all of this yeah. interesting stuff. I do find it very interesting. We do have, um, in my family, there is quite a few people who do suffer with mental health conditions. And um, years ago, I was kind of quite negative on the idea and I just thought they were just selfish people and um, I didn't really understand it and I didn't probably want to understand it at the time because I didn't accept their behavior and what they were doing and why they were doing it Um, and it's only over the last couple of years that I've kind of sat there and thought you know this is real people do suffer with mental health issues it's not just people wanting to get um, an easy ride or an excuse for their behavior it is some it must be something that is is in their mind that like you say it's cognitive behavior and all that sort of stuff so so yeah I am a lot more patient like my sister she she's um I think she's got a personality disorder and her daughter's very similar in in her mannerisms and the way that she acts so I think she also has it but it's took me a long time to to kind of understand why why does she act like that why does she treat us that way why why is it like that and I still I still don't understand it but I just feel like I'm so much more patient now and understanding and rather than trying to fix everything all the time I'm kind of more I'll listen to her and just be there and not expect too much I think is is the way that I kind of deal with it um but yeah I'm the youngest Ah. yeah I'm the youngest of of seven siblings yeah three three with my dads and um sorry seven with my dads four with my mum with my mum and dad and um yeah when we were quite a close family and then when dad passed away it kind of just fractured the whole the whole setup and it was a very stressful time actually there was lots of things going on my mum wanted to sell the house um my sister wasn't happy about it and there was there was lots of drama at the time and it was just um I think that's took quite a lot of time for everybody to try and build bridges but my dad always used to say that I was the most sensible and (laughs) headed one out of all the siblings and I think I would like to like you say you want to understand things I would like to understand why I kind of act a little differently than my other siblings so it it would be nice to get a better understanding but I think in my family everybody always turns to drink and that's really the bad thing nobody wants to talk about anything unless they've had a drink and then it's obviously a negative situation and a negative conversation but I I probably used to be like that when I was younger but I've kind of learned that's not not the way to be and that probably went hand in hand with moving out of where I used to live and moving here um so yeah I think that's that can be quite a bad one and I did go on a webinar um a few weeks ago and there were a woman on there she was actually a doctor and she said that drink doesn't have to be you don't have to have a drink problem for drink to be a problem and there was apparently quite a few different books out there and I thought that really resonated with me because my family are always saying oh I don't have a drink problem I don't have a drink problem but I think they don't have a drink problem but drink is a problem for them but they don't see the link and they won't accept that that's part of it whereas I think that that is probably one step that a lot of people maybe need to to see um because that's probably a common theme I hear what you're saying there, and I cannot tell you how much everything you've just said resonates with parts of my life. So borderline personality disorder is something we have experience of in our family, as is alcohol dependency, whether it is the like jokey, jokey, middle-class alcoholic, or Mm -hmm. whether it is 
um, well, it, it's never full blown paper bag in the morning. Uh, <laughs> But, but I like what you said there. You don't have to have a drink problem for a drink to be a problem is a really interesting thing. And let me just tell you what I'm doing at the moment. So 2021 for me is a teetotal year. And okay. um, I'm not going to lie, when Boris announced on the 4th of or 5th of January that we were going back to homeschooling, I almost <laughs> caved. But I haven't. Yeah. And it will be a, a teetotal year for me. And that is because, like you, I have to prove to myself that because, you know, there's various forms of alcoholism or just addictive personalities in my yeah. wider family, I have to prove to myself that I don't, I'm not in any way addicted. Because I think addiction yeah. comes in all, all, kinds of, um, all kinds of levels. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. How does work play into your life? I know you're very happy in your job and that's fabulous. Is it quite a high stress job? Is it a great team? Have you ever had experience of high stress and maybe perhaps some difficult relationships within the workplace? Um, I think when I first started, I was a working call centre kind of job. Um, so that was not high pressure as such, but the people that you worked with, sometimes it wasn't a very good environment. Um, people weren't very nice to each other. So that wasn't a great atmosphere and um but in the job I'm in now you can I think in some roles you you're not treat like an adult in in some of them and they expect you to do certain work and you know hit certain figures but they don't treat you with the respect that you that you need and that you deserve or give you the freedom to do your job and I have found that in past roles but in the role that I'm in now I just my manager is amazing he's so understanding and flexible and yeah, it just makes you feel like somebody actually cares about the work that you do, which in turn makes you feel like you want to actually do really good work. Um, I think my job, it goes from quite relaxing and just pottering on and, you know, doing the work to then, oh, you've got a deadline, we've got to hit this. And then it's all, you know, all guns blazing and um, then you feel the pressure. But again, you never feel like you're out of your depth with it because you, your manager's always happy to have a discussion, help out where possible. Um, and everybody's quite good at helping out each other and um, being supportive so I am quite lucky I think in the job that I've got now um, I do still feel the pressure sometimes of the workload or just feeling like I'm not good enough for the job like maybe um, the job that I'm doing I don't deserve it or I'm you know I'm not going to do it good enough um, and that kind of thing so I think they all kind of resonate with me sometimes. The age-old imposter syndrome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what actually do you do in NIG? So I'm a head office underwriter in commercial. Fabulous. So very technical as opposed to mm -hmm. uh, client facing or, or sales yeah. role. So what sort of stresses do you have in the underwriting uh, position? When See, you say it gets more, pressured, what, what, what yeah. happens? So with, with the pressure, it's just kind of like you've got to hit a deadline and you've got so much more work you've got to do to be able to get to that point. So I think that's the that's the pressure cooker part and then the bit where you feel like you're not good enough for the job or something is you feel like like if you spoke to my husband he'd be like oh insurance you know it's it's not it's not that much of a big deal I don't think he sees the bigger picture because we kind of make decisions on the wider product and you just think and also individual policies that, that come through as referrals to us but you just think if you make the wrong decision you know that could be a million pound claim on your books and um it could mean that that person's not insured or they haven't understood the cover as such. So I think they're, 
they're the worries that that's the bit where you think oh am I making the right decision you know by allowing this or not allowing it or growing this area or or not growing it you know um yeah they're the things that I I worry about. (laughs) Do you get involved in like you've just said in sort of the wider uh, books of, of, of business I suppose and, and making decisions as to any rate increases or things like that is that part of what you do? Yeah so um, obviously we've got a pricing team as well so pricing will do the actual rate inside of it but we'll always have an input into things that we think should have a rate increase due to performance issues or things like that so yeah we we get involved in that and also the drafting of the policy wordings what cover we're going to give um, endorsements we're going to apply trades we're going to maybe now cover that we didn't cover before and then you think is it you know we haven't got much experience in some of them so is that gonna is that gonna work out okay or is that are we gonna um fail but I suppose that's part of part of the journey isn't it maybe failing sometimes and recovering from it so yeah Here's I think that's question. another angle maybe learning to be a bit better at that <laughs> that side yeah slowly slowly though and, and you've yeah. got to go through the the failures and, and come out of them like you've just said here's a question for you because this is something that gets me absolutely knotted up and I'm sure it won't get you knotted up because I think you're probably much more detailed and mathematical than I'll ever be excel spreadsheets I can't manage I can't cope I can't I get myself tied up in knots and before I know it I think I'm having a heart attack and I've got physical <laughs> pains and I, I'm angry with the world excel spreadsheets how do you find them so I have a bit of a love and hate relationship with excel <laughs> spreadsheets <laughs> so I think I'm better than the basics I'm, I'm quite good at certain things on there but when it comes to v lookups I don't do them very often so when I have to do one it literally takes me forever to do it and then it doesn't work and like say you're like oh I'm ready to smash the laptop um but yeah yeah so sometimes really well get on really well with it and then other times absolutely hate it (laughs) v lookup is something I don't even attempt I just go straight to my husband and say Neil can you help me (laughs) which which he loves obviously when you're in a high pressured work scenario and maybe Maybe along with some of the, you know, personal things that happens in everyone's lives, you've just explained some of them. What is it you do to bring yourself down and does it always work? Okay, so sometimes it doesn't always work because sometimes I will sit there thinking about how I'm actually going to do something. And then I take so long to think about how I'm going to do it that I then convince myself that I'm not going to be able to do it. (laughs) So sometimes I get to that point. And other times it's just a case of, I think, just walking away from it for a little while, taking a bit of a breather, maybe talking to someone else about the situation um, and getting their their idea or their idea or their view on it. Um, I think they that sometimes works for me. But I think, yeah, just just the break in itself. I think if you just get that little break five minutes away or whatever it is you need, that tends to kind of reset your mind or just have a coffee. That always seems to, <laughs> to help the situation. I do like like any stressful situation. If you go for a walk, I always find that really helps, especially if you I've got a treadmill, but that's just not the same effect. I think you've got to get out and get the fresh air and the, the sunlight on your face whenever it's out. <laughs> well, yeah, we live in the wrong country for that. But yes, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, sometimes I think, sometimes, and I'm trying to be really mindful of this, sometimes I can go out for the walk to take the break, but I spend the entire walk in my head yeah and trying to but recognizing that I'm doing that when you're so caught up in it in my head is is sometimes a bit of a revelation like 
Oh, that's what people mean when they say do it mindfully. Stop being in your head and just have five minutes where you're sort of in your body. And I think that's quite a useful analogy for me, one that I use quite yeah. often. See, I don't think I haven't mastered that yet. The thought of not thinking, you see what I mean? Like, I, I'm trying better to be like that. I, I woke up at quarter past four this morning and literally thoughts zooming around my head about stupid things about what to cook for dinner and I've got a holiday that's booked for June that I booked last year that I really don't want to go on because it's in Spain and I just think you know I don't feel comfortable going yet and um Tui are allowing us to change it for free which is really nice um but then all the prices have gone up and then you just think when do I go what do I do so all these stupid things are going through my head and I don't think I fell back to sleep until six and then my alarm went off at seven so yeah, I, I'm still trying to master. And, but when I get like that, I try and just breathe in my mind. Like I'm breathing and counting to like five in and six out and that kind of thing and trying to do longer out breaths than in breaths. And that kind of, it does help sometimes. And then sometimes I kind of forget what I've been thinking about and kind of just calm. Um, but sometimes it doesn't work. So yeah, I think I'm still on the journey. <laughs> I think so too, but I also think it's not about not thinking, it's about re-diverting your thinking to something that you want to think about, and I, that you want, that will be beneficial to think about, and I am a bit like you, so I can, I get caught, you know, I'll try and do some counting, and before I know it, I'm back on whatever's bothered me, or if I focus really hard on my breathing when I'm really uptight, sometimes I end up hyperventilating and it makes the whole situation worse. But that's why I think walking's so good because it's easier to be in your body and out of your mind because you can do the five things you can hear, four things you can see, three, you know, that kind of game. And I often try to do um which muscles are working as I'm walking. Like, can I feel the muscles in my feet working? Can I feel the muscles in my calves working? Which ones are tight? Which ones do I need to stretch? And then that goes into, oh, I should be doing yoga every day. And oh my God, (laughs) I'm a failure because I didn't, uh, whatever. But (laughs) there's always about 30 seconds where I'm like, okay, all right, that's fine. But at least I've stopped rumination one and I'm now onto something totally different. So sometimes I just find that distraction really helpful. Yeah, Um, that that is a good idea. I think when I've done meditation before, they kind of, they focus on that don't they'll say you know feel how it feels in your legs and up through your body and that kind of thing so yeah I think that's um along the same lines isn't it it is and there are lots of and I recommend to anyone listening um if you go on Spotify there are lots of walking mindfulness walks so you put your earphones in and go for a walk and they talk you through whilst you're walking good yeah I can't walk at the speed you're supposed to I still have to walk quickly because that's me but um you know you can amend it to who you are and how you are and all of these things <laughs> yeah sounds good I know I've got an, an apple watch my husband bought me it for Christmas and um that I've, I've noticed recently on there there's a fitness app that I've got and on there there's some things it's a time to walk and it's got different people like celebrities I think are, who are probably doing similar similar things fabulous I shall uh, ask for an apple watch for my birthday <laughs> <laughs> they are really good actually yeah well, one day, one day. Jennifer, yeah. thank you so much for sharing with us your background and your uh, journey in mindfulness and meditation and self-development. I think it's been really, really interesting. I very much appreciate your time and uh, and your support for the CCC project. No worries. It's been a, been a pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Your reviews, shares, and followership is incredibly valuable to us. If you'd like to know more about our work through Coffee, Carbon Connection and how we can support you, please email us at hello at coffeecarmconnection.org or follow us on social media. Thank you.